This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and we're back again with values, more values, even more values, and a co-host. Hi, Dave. Hello, Jan. Are they valuable values, though? Uh, I was thinking more about as the valuable co-host, but okay, if you don't want to go there, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't really believe that. That's that's not that's not. A thing. I mean, we think they're valuable, and we think uh, they should be valuable for more people, or otherwise, we'll be talking about them. I think. Indeed, indeed. Well, indeed, this is this is our set, uh, our set on sort of various values that we we think are important and that we identify with, and all that sort of thing. Um, so, without further ado, let's uh, dive right in. Today, we're going to be talking about. That was a terrible drum roll. <laughs> Very, very tinny. Um, but we are talking about high say-do ratio. Now, we'll ignore the the terrible maths as to whether or not a high ratio is a bad thing or a good thing. Um, and let's let's get into the meat of what this actually means, which is basically, like, if you say you're going to do something, then do that thing. I, it, that, it's really simple. And it's like a lot of these things, it, um, while it sounds really simple, the, when things go off the rails and when people don't sort of do what they say they're going to do, it can cause like absolute chaos and bad feeling and, you know, be really, really damaging to, to teams, to individuals, to organizations. And, this the the interesting thing about this is often it comes up when um people aren't you know trying to say that they're going to do things and then blatantly avoid doing them that very rarely is the case more often than not if like someone's got a poor notice i'm saying um not high or low but a poor say do ratio then Often it comes from a point of the, where they they really want to help. They really want to do all the things. And therefore they say yes to being able to do all the things against certain timelines that are being you know, suggested to them or they propose, however it's happening. And they take on too much and they don't deliver against the things that they said that they were going to do. And that's, you know, that's actually just as bad um, from an outcome perspective, as someone who, you know, says that they're going to do something with almost with no intention of actually doing that thing. Um, like the, the, it's not quite as bad, obviously, like a malicious actor is definitely worse, but the, the end result is, is fairly similar in that, you know, people lose trust, um, and, you know, you can create a whole bunch of, of friction in things. So that's my little kind of intro to this. Jon, what's your, what's your perspective on this? Um, yeah, I mean, this would avoid a lot of disruption. Uh, sadly, though, it's, uh, quite, it's quite simple to say, quite simple to think mm. about. Apparently, it's a lot harder to do. And yeah. there's many reasons why this fails. I mean, you already gave one example, but it could also just be that there's a culture that's saying no is not allowed. Mm. And you just have yeah. to say yes all the time. And that actually causes a lot of problems. And again, I'm an SAM solution architect, so I'm looking at my own background, what I'm doing, what I'm encountering. And from my experience, 
there are always a couple of uh, colleagues that whatever the customer asks, they say yes. Mm. And they think they're doing great because they're going above and beyond and whatever. The problem is it's bad on multiple levels. Because on the one hand, they're promising to do things they shouldn't be doing because there will be no support yeah. for what they do. They build scripts yeah. and stuff like that. And if consulting builds those scripts, support will support them because they are officially stamped, documented, whatever. When SAs do things, and it's not just a, a one-off, but actual going again above what they should be doing, uh, they cause problems long-term. They also cause problems for other SAs when, for some reason, that account switches to another SA. Because uh, rep changes, uh, territories get recarved, whatever, things happen, and now suddenly a customer with sky-high expectations gets an SA that does a good job, mm. but does say no when it should be going no. Yeah. And the third problem, of course, is what you alluded to. If you always say yes, you have no time to do anything. Yeah. Or anything decently good. Yeah. It doesn't need to be perfect, but if you say something to a customer and you say you're going to do it, you have to do a decent job. And the worst thing that can happen there is that then one person says yes to everything and other people need to pick up the slack, mm. which means that they have to, uh, how do you say that, uh, not do a good job on the things they should be doing because they're picking yeah. up for the other person and that's where the disruption happens, where the whole thing uh, goes off the rails. Yeah. It, one, one of the things is, like, so how do you how do you not get kind of swept up into this situation? Like it's sometimes it's not just about saying no, but it's having a, it's having a discussion about the particular thing that you're being asked. So if you're talking to a customer, like it can be, it can be a conversation around, well, I know you, you think you want to do this, but actually like here's some reasons why that might not be a good idea. And most importantly, mm -hmm. from my mind, it comes from like, saying no to a bunch of stuff is also not very helpful. Like you need to either propose an alternative or you need to kind of explain why you're saying no to something. And that's, I think, I believe that's true whether or not you're talking internally or externally. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think especially when you're talking externally, um, like you need to explain the reasoning behind your uh, declining a particular <laughs> directive or whatever, or suggestion or recommendation or ask or whatever it might be. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that they're obliged to just say yes to things. And like, that's just not, that's just not true. And I think some of this, we touched on this on a few of our, our value episodes, but I think this is one of the ones that's um, a lot easier to stay truer to the more experience you have, the further along you are in your career, and the more you understand. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who's got a lot of experience is good at doing this, but I'm just saying it's a, it can be a lot easier. I think if you're earlier on in your career, you're more likely to be at the eager, say yes to everything sort of stage of things than you are to be pushing back or digging into like why they want to do things that way or suggesting alternatives or at least having a discussion. Okay, I'm going to disagree here. Because, Love it. Bring yeah. it on. Uh, I actually think that uh, junior people are, have an easier time to say no because they simply don't know how to do it. They get a complex question, they've never done that, no idea, and they just, I have to say no because I can't do this. While an experienced person, 
Okay, you're asking me this. This should be consulting. This should be a paid thing. But I can do it and I like you. I'm going to say yes. It's a lot mm. easier. So the screen there. And to the first thing you talked about, uh, you have gave a lot of ways of saying no. What I would suggest is you should never get into a position where you have to say no. And that is expectation management. Mm-hmm. When I talk to customers the first time, okay, we're just doing a bit of marketing spiel, presenting who we are, have, 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 have joy, joy. But when it really becomes a uh, use case, a really opportunity, actually something happening here, we often just set, uh, present not just the product, but also the company and also who does what. What's the purview of a solution architect pre-sales? What's the purview of consulting? What is uh, support doing? And those people are there because a consultant is better at his job, her job, than I would be because I'm mm. not a consultant. And a support mm. person is way better at their job than I ever would be because that's their job. And just making sure that that's clear where the barriers lie often makes it so that those things don't come up. And the problem I see with a lot of people is that they have a hard time setting uh, setting boundaries, basically. Mm. Again, because they're fearing of not being seen as... Um, I don't know what they fear, but they fear something apparently, <laughs> and I, something just so because they want to do it because they think it's fun. Yeah, I think I think people fear like um, there's, there's there's always this concern of of people like not wanting to be seen as the person that's always saying no to things. I think but again, like, try a, to make it so you don't have to say. No I know, I know, I get that, but like sometimes you know you may have had that conversation with one set of individuals but then someone else gets introduced into things along the way or you know that message didn't resonate or indeed like you know worst case is someone else contradicts your sort of direction uh, and and instead sort of puts you in an awkward position that you then you know have to have to course correct maybe you get a you get a new AE or you know a, a new manager or you know someone else shadows or covers your account while you're on vacation and you know whatever it might be like there there is there are always going to be situations where even if you do all of your setting of expectations like the world can shift beneath you around you above you and all of a sudden you know you're in a position where oh this is not this is not the way that i set the expectations yeah well i mean these days, I'm more in a kind of a laissez-faire mindset. I mean, shit happens and we'll clean it up. But the one thing <laughs> I really still get really, really, really mad about is if a colleague uh, resets my expectations because I make sure my colleagues know how I do my job. Mm. And if they do it anyway, um, I will pretty much tell them to take over. But yeah, it's always a slippery slope. You're totally right there. But again, there are ways of avoiding it and being able to maintain this high, as I say, do ratio at a, at a high level. Because mm. again, always saying yes is in the end bad for the person, bad for the team, and bad for yeah. the person you're trying to help. Because we don't live forever. Even if you don't leave the company, even if you don't change jobs, if you don't change territory, you will die at some point. Up <laughs> 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 until now, that is kind of inevitable. So, yeah, be nice and set good expectations so you can maintain a high say-do ratio. Yeah. And on that happy, jolly note, uh, and uh, talking about progressing towards death, 
progress over perfection is our you've got you've got I'm more to say come on then Hell well yeah. let, let's continue to progress this conversation do you see this he just overrules me he just, <laughs> I, I have so little value in his eyes pun intended um what about a high do ratio because high say do kind of still means you're promoting yourself to make sure everybody knows that you're doing stuff no, First, no. Uh, hang on, let, let me finish what I'm saying. Strong disagree. What I'm trying to say, if you give me a second here for my valuable no, input. I'm not going to do it. Is what about people that do a lot, but don't talk a lot? I, Should you? This is, this is completely different to that. This is just, this is not I don't know, promoting I... what you're doing at all. I, th that's not what this value, at least that's not what this value is to me. This value is is purely about you delivering against the things that you say to someone that you're going to do or you agree with someone that you're going to do. It's nothing to do with promotion or, you know, spreading the news about all the things that you're doing at all whatsoever. I think that's a very, very different um, perspective on this. So, so would you say that when a person, I mean, he gets hired for a certain job and he does his job and he knows what's expected of him and just does it all, still has a high say-do ratio? If they said that that was what they were going to do and they signed on the dotted line with their manager and say, yes, this is the th these are the things I'm going to do and they go and do them, then I would say yes. Yeah, but that's a contract I signed four years ago. Sure. I don't know. I still think that that person would have a, in other eyes, in other people's view, a, a uh, I can't say low. You had a, you had another word. It wasn't high low. It was a good or bad. A depressed high say do those ratio, <laughs> <laughs> because there's not a lot, not enough visibility in there. And the thing is, actually, I'm trying to work towards here in a kind of roundabout way is that you have to make sure people know what you're doing, because if you don't, you will get more things to do screwing up your high say-do ratio because you don't have enough time to do things. And self-promotion, yes, that can be seen as a negative. And you have those people that are saying they do everything and everything better than everybody and the end don't do a single thing, right? They also have the people that are too quiet. And I think that the say-do ratio goes the other way around as well, a high-do say ratio. If you do a lot of stuff, you should make sure that in team meetings, in occasions where it makes sense, and it's not about self-promotion, but about making sure that your manager in the first place, but also your colleagues actually know what you're doing and maybe even how you're doing so they can appreciate the person, which is a good thing for both sides. But also it's a piece of, um, how do you call that, a knowledge transfer. Mm. I mean, every, every week there's something coming up I've never done before, which I need to figure out how to do. If I then know, oh, but that guy, that girl, that woman, that man, they did that last month and I'm going to talk to them and see what happens, mm. uh, how they did it. And that can accelerate what you're doing. And I think that's actually at least as important as the say-do ratio. Okay. I will agree with all of that, except I think it's a completely different value. So I, I, I do think... I do think that is important. I think it's it's not just the the, the knowledge transfer side of things. It's it's also the the wider awareness, of, as you were saying, of of what you know what other people are doing, what other people's expertise or experience are. I, this is one of the things that 
I think um, you know people sharing what they're working on, the successes they've had, also the the, the failures, like the things yes, that yes, have gone yes. wrong, um, and the the things that they've learned from that are uh, are incredibly important. And I think that's yeah, I completely agree that that's a, a huge um, and very valuable part of this. But I do think it's a very different value. Yeah, so you make a good point there. It's high say do, not high say succeed ratio. The thing is that you do what you want to do, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes what you mm. thought was possible, there's limitations, something happening, whatever. And that's totally fine as well, right? I mean, as long as you have done whatever you could do to make what you said you're going to do happen, and okay, it didn't work. Learn from the mistakes. Make sure never to say that again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's slightly yeah. different. Uh, and move on, but again, that's more that, that's specific for this. And whether the other one is a different value or not, I don't know because we don't have the other one on the list. So <laughs> 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 I want to put this in here just to make sure. Yeah, and it's also in the. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say the 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 part of that. I'm trying to remember what I was going to say then. Um, the the part of that around. Um, the sort of the mistakes that you make and you know, make sure you learn from them just on that quick and i think we we've probably touched on i'm sure we've touched on this before last seven like years probably probably yeah like it's really really easy when things go well for like everyone to just sort of pat Celebrate. themselves on the back and like oh like we did a great job aren't we awesome like we just nailed it like blah 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 um and it's it's very difficult actually i find for most people to learn from their successes um because they just they, there is just this i think this default human assumption that like you were successful because you were awesome <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing whereas um i think you can as long as you don't you know shy away from or avoid them or you know however you want to call it um, it's a lot easier to learn from your mistakes because there was a problem. Like it didn't go well, and therefore you dig into what didn't go well, and um, as you say, like try not to repeat that again. But it's very. I think it's really, really difficult for people to learn um, when things are going well because the assumption is just like. Well, if things went well last time, then things will go well next time because we're awesome and this this will all just magically come together. Well, point one, you can't spell awesome without me. That's one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, typically success uh, celebrations just give a list of the people that were uh, critical for the success of this mm -hmm. thing. But there is nothing to post-mortem. There's nothing to look at where did it go well. I mean, apparently everything went well because it was successful. With a failure, you can actually try to pinpoint what the, the tipping point was, where the decision-making went bad or the technology went bad or whatever, something else went bad. Sadly, however, and I think this is a bit of the American culture coming over. I mean, we are mm. in Europe here, so I can say this. Um, where in the US, I find... I mean, it's well known that in, in the Eastern countries, saying no is a taboo. You, can, you always need to say yes. And in the, in the US, it kind of feels like everything needs to be a success. 
even if it was a horrible failure, it still needs to be a success because failure cannot be admitted to. And that makes it very hard to learn from things. Mm. I think in Europe, it's still better, but things are also, I mean, I've been working for US companies for a long time now. So maybe again, my little bubble has a different uh, slant on things, but I do feel it's getting harder and harder to be able to just have a team meeting and talk about uh, a project that didn't go well and just ask, okay, hang on, why did it not work? It's a question you're not supposed to ask anymore. And that's very concerning because as you said, most of my learnings have been from my and other people's failures. Mm. I'm not going to say whose failures were worse, but uh, mm. <laughs> I made some, uh, made some big ones. Yeah. And it, we, we all do like the, I, I was at a, I was at an event sort of two weeks ago, an internal event and, you know, shared some sort of challenges that I'd had and some things that had gone wrong and what I'd learned from them and, you know, what I was going to change in the future. And like, it, and a number of people had, you know, similar sessions and like, it sounds a little bit like therapy at the moment, but like, it's, it's really not about that. It's about, um, having that sort of high, high degree of transparency that we, mm -hmm. we've talked about previously, but also, um, if you are, if you are vulnerable, you know, with people, if you expose, you know, your weaknesses, your concerns about, you know, what you've done and that sort of thing, you know, it, it does a huge amount to, to build trust. Like one of the fastest ways to develop trust with people is to be vulnerable with them and to expose your weaknesses and your, you know, your concerns, um, with them. And it, like, this is, you know, this is a, a critical part of, um, growing and, and developing as a, as a, as, a, as someone like in this, this kind of role. I actually don't like to say show that you're vulnerable because it has a negative slant to it. Always. I just say, show that you're human. You're not a robot. You're not perfect. You're a human being. Yep. And human beings, we have done marvelous things to the planet. So we're all perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, last thing maybe I want to add here, uh, well, last two things to be honest. Um, I think in a distributed environment, it's harder to get a high say do ratio because the people you say things to aren't typically not the people you do it for and the people, and again, it just makes it harder to, to keep that up, to, to have some, uh, what's, the name, what's the name I'm looking for? Accountability that mm. people actually follow up on things. Cause if you're in a zoom meeting with 50 other people, you've said, yeah, I'll do this. And nobody ever remembers that cause nobody makes notes anymore. <laughs> so being in a distributed environment makes this harder to, makes it hard to stay true to this. And it's a big part of your personal brand. Yeah being seen as a good say do or do say, uh, having that, if I, if he says it is going to happen, if you get that reputation, that's what you want. And if you get the other reputation, oh, he said it. Yeah, whatever. That's yeah. something that will stick with you for a long time. So yeah. never underestimate this high say do ratio effect on your own personal life in the short term and in the long term, because with every business, it's a small world and people yeah. have, have long memories. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the thing about, um, about your pe personal brand on this is incredibly, um, incredibly important. You get, you get branded as the person that like will say yes to everything and deliver nothing. 
yeah, your your time your time there is is likely to be limited, or at the very least, you'll you'll get sidelined to the unimportant and uninteresting stuff. And and, and yeah, and the crazy thing is that I know a couple of those those kind. I mean, everybody knows a couple of those kind of people. They don't seem to notice. Mm. They don't learn for some reason. Again, nobody tries to help them out of their illusions because. Oh, he said it, whatever. She said it, whatever. Move on. You don't even try anymore to make them understand that they're doing this themselves of this at this favor. And they just keep doing it for the time they remain in function, of course. Mm. The, the, the nature of it being more challenging in a distributed organization, I think, is interesting because, I mean, I try to make sure that, you know, if if I'm in a meeting, there are your minutes and notes being taken because if it's not if it's not recorded down then it may the call or meeting may well have, have not happened because um yeah, the spoken word is worth the paper it's not written on right <laughs> pretty much yeah so the that's kind of one part of it but i think the other part is it's got with the the pace the ever kind of increasing pace that we're all operating at it becomes very difficult for people to um, keep track of the things that they have said yes to and like it's very easy um, if you've only got a handful of things that you're you're working on like it's quite easy to keep track of that in your brain and some people are better and more organized at this than others and some people really struggle as as workloads increase as the the nuances and the the smaller tasks sort of pile up and um i do think that this is one of those things that the the more organized you can be and the the better you are at, at whether you have a system that you use to keep track of you know what you're working on and what you've said yes to and when things are going to be delivered or whether you're one of those magical individuals that can just hold all of that stuff in your brain and never forget a single thing um, but like, I think that's a big part of some people's, like when they have challenges with their say-do ratio, it's that they've forgotten other things that they said that they were going to do. And then, you know, someone says, oh, by the way, um, you know, you said last week that you get that to me at the end of the week. Uh, just wondered how you were getting on with that. Oh, so sorry. Like I uh, got busy with this or I had to travel for that or, you know, and, you know, it's very, very 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 easy to to kind of for these sort of things to to slip past and a lot of it is i think comes down to ever increasing pace that we're running at and the um and sort of the somewhat chaotic nature of things at, at times and being being organized even amongst all the chaos yeah but that's why i don't think we should put this on the human on the person on the individual this should be a group thing and that's why mm. whenever I am in charge of a meeting, the last five minutes of the meeting is going over the to-do list. Mm. Let's just make sure this was happening. You're going to do that, do that, do that. Mm. And this gets published to the group. Yeah. Because on the one hand, it avoids the problem you're talking about, about the person, oh, I knew I was going to do that. I forgot because things happened and that's life. But the second thing is that when somebody else asks you uh, for to do something else, you can just point to that document and say, hey, hang on, I've already got these 10 things. I'm going to have to say no, 
so it gives you a very uh, or else you can say i can do this but then you talk to one of these people to tell them that i need don't need to do that thing so you can have mm -hmm. make a negotiation if you want to but you have some some collateral some some currency some to exchange to keep also your to-do list manageable sadly a lot of people don't do this at the end of meetings but again with yeah. customer meetings definitely that is something whenever I'm doing a meeting and uh, they ask a questions and I don't know what the answer and I say, oh, well, I'll come back to you. I'll make a note. And at the end of yeah. the meeting, I'll go over my notes and just say, okay, this is what I had as homework. Dum, 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 dum. That's it. Yeah. Agree. Okay, cool. This little piece of, uh, this little list goes into an email, gets sent to every people in the meeting so that everybody knows what it is. But of course, at the end, if I forgot something, please let us know. Yeah. Human, we're human, humans happen. <laughs> But again, expectation management. This is for me a big part of expectation management. It's agreed. Yeah. This is the list that's going to be happened. That needs to be done by these persons. And that's what's going to be expected from you. And you should, you should do it. Yeah, definitely. A final thing right. I want to look at for this one is uh, one way to get a high say-do ratio is by not saying you're going to do anything. So by <laughs> devaluating <laughs> your own contributions, you can make sure you'll exceed expectations. How do you sidestep that one? I'm asking this to you as a manager, to be honest, because this is something I mean, that managers need to keep an eye on, right? That everybody kind of yeah. pulls their own weight according to their capabilities. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things that you you typically pick up on quite early. You know, when, for example, if you're asking for, I don't know, volunteers to, to do a, take a particular action or do a particular thing or whatever, and, you know, you, you start to see the people that regularly say, yes, I can do that or I can take that on or, um, oh, I could work with so-and-so on this or whatever it might be. And you also re you start to pick up very quickly on the people that never raise their hand and never speak up. And like it, it can be a real problem, but it's usually something that you sort of identify quite early. Um, and sometimes it comes from a a point of like, oh, but I, I don't know anything about that thing. And well, learn. one of the ways to learn about that thing is to get involved and, and start doing it. And you, know, you don't have to do these things solo. You can ask for a, a mentor or um, mm -hmm. or you know someone else to work with you on it and that sort of thing. But um, it's it is usually like I I think you know. SEs, SAs, however you you call these folks, um, I think there's a one of the values that makes a really it's good value. Yeah, going into a meeting knowing someone's going to ask me something I've never heard before. Yeah, and then you can react to it, a lie or wave it off or sidestep it or whatever. And when I was younger, when I started, well, not younger, but when I was younger in this job, let's call it that. I've <laughs> <laughs> well, been doing this for like 10 years now. Uh, I was guilty of that sometimes, but I didn't dare admit to the customer that I didn't know something he said, mm. a certain acronym or whatever. And then I started talking and in the end, it always turned out that I was talking BS and I got caught out anyway. Mm. What I've learned over the years is you say acronym XYZ. Ah, I never heard that one. Can you tell me about it? Mm. Because on the one hand, I learned something. The second hand, the customer feels of the, the the other part doesn't need to be a customer, but the other yeah. part of the conversation feels important because everybody, every person has an innate instinct to be 
a mentor. We like to learn to teach people things, not, be, not to teach them a lesson in the bad ways, but just to make them a better person because, hey, I have been now part of their development, their evolution. That's something that people actually enjoy. And this is valid for the customers as well. And in a normal conversation, there are certain conversations that are very negative already. You can't do this, but in normal conversations, it'll give them a good idea, a good thing. And on the third hand, because we all have three hands these days, <laughs> <laughs> it's also for an SE and SA, a very nice, uh, I'd call that uh, investigation tool. Because by making the customer talk about a certain aspect in their own environment, they will share things they might not otherwise have shared or you would have to have to ask point blank, which makes it sometimes annoying. Again, let the customer, let the other party talk. It's, an, it's another value we're not talking, we're not having our list, I think. Uh, silence is golden, uh, speaking is silver, something like that. Listening is so much more important than talking, unless, of course, mm. you need to do a presentation, then, okay, you have to talk. <laughs> but in normal conversations, just ask questions. If you don't know something, you learn something and you, you mm. start, you actually, there's this holy grail of having a partnership with your customers. So you have a joint journey towards the result, whatever. Well, this is what that journey does. Both parties get better at the end. Otherwise, it's not a journey. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I was just being quiet. I was just making sure, just staying silent, make sure there are no other points. All right. Well, in that case, uh, we're actually not going to progress onto our next value. Uh, we're going to wrap things up because that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, do all the YouTube things. You can also go to roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us sort of on Twitter, at roaringelephant-ish, but you can, of course, send us an email to podcast at roaringelephant.org as well. Until next time, my name is... I'm trying to keep... <laughs> I'm trying to keep a, something with, say, do... My name is... Oh, what is my name? My name is is Silence. Silence. My name is Silence. Well, my name is Jon, and I say I'm going to make another podcast after this one. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. A podcast that is at a loss for words. That's not good. <laughs>